you. Mima was a pop star. This is Mima's last performance with Cham. Who desired to become an actress. I really hope that I can entertain you just the same as an actress. But sometimes, aspirations can be deadly. I'm always watching Mima's room! In the world of make-believe. This is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame. Don't worry, Mima, it'll be all right. May not be worth the cost of identity. <laughs> Where did this come from? How do they know so much? Innocence is lost. <gasps> Dreams become nightmares. And privacy no longer exists. Where everything you do can be seen by everyone. And those you trust are really those you should fear. Your life no longer belongs to you. Excuse me. Manga Entertainment Excuse presents... Satoshi Khan's animated psychological thriller, Perfect Blue. Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? Hello, welcome to Movie Humpers. My name is Bob Sham. I am Angela. The sounds you hear maybe dogs clip-clopping around. Um, (laughs) We have left behind Portraits of the Artists, our last month's theme, here at the end of this week is also the beginning of February, which means it's the first episode of our new theme, Women in Crisis. Mm-hmm. Women in a lot of trouble. Might be physical trouble. Maybe existential trouble. Maybe spiritual trouble. Maybe um, just mentally unstable. Women in trouble all month long. And we're starting strong with something from the land of the rising sun. <laughs> a very well-regarded movie by... Uh, a Satoshi Khan, you know him. He directed such anime as Millennium Actress and Paprika. And this one, he is particularly well known for. It is a well-regarded film that we are getting to. You saw this a long, long time ago. I did. I saw it when it was new. We're talking about Satoshi Khan's Perfect Blue. A lot of the Khan's movies deal with a blurring of reality. Mm. But this isn't like... There's nothing surreal for surreal sake here i think the blurring of the action has a message and instructs us of something it's a warning based on something that is explained to us i believe within this movie uh and it is about obsession and such and let's get into it mima kirigoi that's our lead she's a pop idol what is that what does that mean pop idol there is this culture around young pop stars especially in japan like the whole J-pop thing. There's these like idols. I keep wanting to say teen idol because they're very young or they seem like they young adults. They can be, but uh, they're often young adults yeah. as well. But they, they seem to be very childlike. At least the, the girls do. You know, they're very cutesy, even though they might be showing some cleavage and with some short skirts on. There's sort of this like innocence to mm. them. And basically you're an idol until you kind of age out of being an idol. And yeah, there's a whole kind of, uh, I would say like middle-aged men obsession. Yeah, you see a performance. With these girl groups. There's boy groups too, but. You see a, a performance at the beginning. And the audience isn't like a bunch of kids, screaming girls. Mm-mm. They it's seem to be dudes. like uh, dudes around the age of 30. That is a thing we see there. I guess if it's the boy J-pop bands, I'm sure, I assume 
pull in more young girls. Oh, I would just, I would, yeah. But it does seem like here in the West, they do seem to have these gender-specific divides over there. Yeah. But in the West, like a girl pop idol, like all the girls love her. It's all girls, yeah. And they would also love a boy pop idol as well. Absolutely. But it seems to just so much more, it falls into such a different position over there. They're very much put on pedestals. Mm Mm-hmm. And given presents and praise and, you know, all of this. But we find out at the beginning that Mima wants to be an actress. Mm-hmm. She's sort of debating because she's basically been told she can't do both. She either can keep being a pop idol, which her agent Rumi wants her to do. Right. Rumi is the pop idol agent and like a friend as well. She is. But she's a little older. We find out at some point that she was a pop idol when she was young and it was the best time of her life. And so she doesn't really understand why Mima wants to walk away from it because Mima's walking away from it when it's, when she's hot. Yeah. Like she's she got, is at her prime. Yeah. She's got music coming out. She's, they're doing good at these concerts and she, but she leaves the band to become an actress and the other girls just become a duo without her because yeah. it was three of them. Her room looks like it's devoted to her own band and we see her taking the poster off of the wall. Mm-hmm. She's transitioning to get into the acting life. She starts wearing darker colors. Rumi, she starts, she hears about like a Mima's diary, right? And how does she hear about Mima's diary? Mima hears about it because as she's leaving her final concert, someone slips a letter into her hand. Oh, and there's like a violent confrontation at the concert. Oh, there is before that. And there's this guy who has been obsessed with her. And you know he's obsessed with her because, I mean, he's looking at no one else. So he's supposed to be a security guard. There's this really great uh, shot where he's crouched down in the very front and he's holding his hand up, watching her as though she's dancing on his palm. Yeah. It looks really fucking cool, this, but it tells you all you need to know in that moment about how obsessed he is. The cinematography in this anime is very, very good. Yeah. And he gets into a confrontation with these younger boys who are being rowdy. The concert kind of gets halted and she ends up making her announcement. Yeah. Of, I'm going to leave. And then they sing one more song and it's over. But she gets this letter from someone in the in the confusion, and it says, I love watching Mima's room. And so she goes to Rumi, and she's like, I don't understand what this is. And Rumi's like, oh, it's probably a web page. Let's walk over to this box over here. Well, then she goes and buys a computer, yeah. and Rumi comes over and sets it up for her, because she doesn't know fuck, fault, fuck she, all about computers. And she actually literally explains to Mima, <laughs> as well as the audience. Listen carefully. Okay. This is a browser for the World Wide Web. You launch it by double-clicking here. What? Double-click? What are you going to do with a clip? I thought that's what you said. No, see, at the location here, you enter the URL. It's really not that difficult to understand. Oh, Romy, come on. Will you please explain it to me in English? This is a computer that has access to the Internet. You put things into your URLs, and then we're going to pull this up. Oh, my God. See, here's a, here's a Mima's room. And she's like, you got it? And Mima truly, and I felt this to my core. She's like, I'm never going to understand this. It's so complicated. <laughs> and I was like, oh, girl, I was there with you. Yeah. In the early, uh, late 90s. The internet, you know, existed prior to this point. But this movie's timing is amazing in mm-hmm. that, like, this came out in 97, so... 
you know, in the late nineties is when the internet really started to start more mass ramping audience. up, start to build that collective entity. If you kind of measure the internet as, um, like its own techno being, mm. then it's really not that old, is it? It's only no. like in its twenties. If you analyze it as far as from the point in which it became at peak in the most households and mm. the, and it wasn't even really until well into, up into the mid 2000s where it felt like something that was like an inescapable resource in everyday life that is very true so yeah we're being explained and she's being shown this website she's not writing she's not the author of mima's room but it's a diary but she's reading the diary and she seems very charmed by it yeah because she thinks oh this is a fan who just knows a lot about me how do they know that stuff about me how do they know what you ate at the restaurant the other day yeah, at the beginning. And then she starts kind of, she'll read something on it, and then she'll kind of look out her window, like, is someone watching me? She kind of starts paying attention more to her surroundings, and she starts seeing that creepy guy around. Yeah, she starts becoming obsessed with the own diary while carrying on an acting career at the same time. So this acting career, she originally just has one line on an NCIS-type show where she's playing the sister of a pop idol who has been murdered. And all she really yeah has is like one line. But on the day that she's filming that line, she gets fan mail and the letter explodes in her mail manager's face, mm. who's very much into this this acting career. He's the one pushing it more than Rumi, but they're partners seemingly. But it explodes in his face and it's almost like that kind of triggers the writer to say, it hey. It generates hype. The, the, yeah, like we need to put her in the show more because people are going to watch it to see her because it's, she's like hot right now. Like yeah. she's in the news. And so they write her a whole storyline where she's going to have this, she has this terrible rape scene in a club. Mm. And after she's raped, she gets confused on who she is. She basically takes on the persona of her dead sister, who's a pop idol, and believes that she's that person. So that's what's happening in the show. Now, of course, the story develops into something that is somehow a little related to her previous life as a pop idol. So there are scenes as we go throughout this movie where you'll think it's a part of her everyday life or trying to deal with something. Uh-huh. But then you'll hear, like, cut, scene, and then you'll... It'll be, oh, this is, they're filming the movie here. Yeah. But the, but the aspects of her history as a pop idol and her character being connected to that industry is blurring the lines between her reality. Absolutely. And then the movie does that multiple times. You don't know what is an actual scene and what is it being a shot scene. Yeah. And, and during this time, she starts kind of losing time. She'll be somewhere and then she'll wake up in her bed. It almost feels like a groundhog day a little bit. Like she's just going to her job and then coming home. But then she's reading about herself on this diary and it'll say she did something or went somewhere and she'll think, well, I didn't, but I must have. Yeah. Because they know what I'm doing. She's becoming disconnected to her own reality. Absolutely. Reading a website that's describing her own life. Yeah. And that she does the very controversial rape scene and she does like nude modeling. The person who's writing that becomes t- angry about it and starts accusing that Mima of being a fraud. The person who's writing the diary yeah, online. Like the real Mima wouldn't do well, this. Well, at first she says, I don't like this. They're making me do it. Uh, I want to go back and be a singer again. Right? Like that's at first. But it does eventually turn into that of like, I'm the real Mima. The Mima, you're, that's not real, whatever. 
But the creepy guy is reading that diary and following her. And so... Well, we assume he's writing it We assume he's writing it as well. And then there is this thing where in her reflection, as she's starting to doubt how she actually feels about things, she starts seeing this pop idol version of herself. And she'll see it in her own reflection. Like, she's already thinking of it. Mm. But then it seems to be manifesting... In the world. The pop idol reflection of herself seems to become a lot more adversarial after she does the more adult stuff. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to get rid of you and I'm going to take over. And in the, at first, it's just kind of like assuming like you're going to come back to me and we'll, we'll just carry on and do our old thing. And then as she goes deeper into her acting career, it's like it turns on her. Mm-hmm. And so she's... Like watching this thing, it seems like she's hallucinating, mm-hmm. and she'll watch it just bound away and like prance on top of this like pop light idol posts. version of her. I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to um, post as much mm-hmm. image clips and stuff as I do other episodes because Japanese companies are a lot more strict yeah. on having their own clips played, whereas American companies. As long as you're not ripping the whole thing or a little more open to the exposure yeah. in that everyday way. But just like watch this movie because it's yeah, yeah. so worth it. Check it's this so movie good. out. So also with this, you know, Mima kind of seeing this version of herself who seems very ethereal, like you were saying, like kind of bouncing or floating. And bad things start happening. People start dying. The writer of the show start dies. Gets his eyes gouged The man who is the photographer is murdered as well. She finds some bloody clothes in her closet. And she's having all this missing time. And she's doubting so much who she is and what she is that she's like, oh, my God, did I kill that man? Yeah. She doesn't know what's real anymore. When when, where's One murder we see, I think it was like one of the producers... We're watching basically the pop idol Mima that we see floating around, dancing around, separate from Mima, watching that that version of her stab a man to death. Like we see that. Mm-hmm. So there's some question of like everyone, including the viewer, has some aspects in which they're questioning their insanity. Yep. And but with Mima, the being obsessed on the internet, and the internet has removed her reality. It's rewritten the truth of her actual life. Mm -hmm. And instead of the truth being the truth, it's what is manufactured becomes more real in her mind to the point where she doesn't even, she'll be like, oh, I didn't know I went to that shop to buy clothes. I guess I, I did. But all she's doing is staying in her room, sleeping and going to her job. Yeah. She's literally doing nothing Nothing. else. Nothing. And then she gets confronted by the creepy guy. And he at the set where she was raped. And he attacks her and is going to rape her. In the stage scene where they shot the rape scene. You've also seen him talking to the pop idol version of Mima in his room. And at that point you realize, oh, he's not writing it. He's reading it. And he believes that the one writing the diary is the real Mima as well. He's been convinced that the actress is a fake. And so she deserves to die, but he's still going to fuck her. And so he goes in and he gets her on the stage and he's going to rape her. And she finds a hammer from some set equipment and clocks him in the head and kills him. So he flops over. And she runs and finds Rumi, and by the time they get back, his body is gone. Yeah. But then later we see him dead next to the man agent. Yeah, like they've been someone like shoved them together. Yeah. So the assumption is possibly that he got up, killed that man, and then also died. 
But we get back to how does she discover who the actual person is? So she she wakes up in what she thinks is her apartment, but then she realizes it's not her apartment because the posters back up for Charm, who that her pop idol band and her fish are alive, which her fish had died. And so she realizes it's like it's like Bizarro Room, right? It's hers, but it's not. And so she realizes and into the room comes pop version of her but in a red dress and then it changes where it's roomy Mm. in this outfit with a wig on and she's like an older larger woman so she's filling out we just kind of see her legs at first but it goes back and forth like sometimes even after we find out it's roomy it looks like pop idol mina and and mima mima Mima, sorry mima doesn't even seem to see that it's her until she takes takes the wig wig off. off yeah so it's almost like this shared delusion that's happening between them where Rumi thinks that she's the real Mima and is going to go and be a pop star and she's just kind of killing everybody that's in her way mm. and now going to kill Mima. Yeah. And Mima has been seeing something in her own mind that now has like manifest like she has had this delusion on her own that now is being manifested in front of her and it's like she can't tell if she's looking at Rumi or the vision of herself that she's been seeing. Yeah. and It's she, crazy. There's a point where, like, she's being chased by Rumi, but we're seeing Rumi old Rumi. drops Ru- her off the building. Yeah, we're seeing old Rumi just bounce around like she's the wispy pop idol and one. Then, but then when she passes by, like, a, like a window, you see her, like... <laughs> Like yeah, fat, yeah, like like fat roomy, like running as fast as she can. But then outside of the reflection, it's this hopping, beautiful, yeah. flowy thing. It's gorgeous. Like some of the some of the moments. This is earlier, but there's a moment on the train where Mima's just staring at herself and her reflection, and it is actually her. It doesn't change, but it's just it's beautiful. Yeah. There are some really gorgeous moments in this. But then basically once. Once Mima's able to, they get in a scuffle and Rumi stabs her a couple times. And once Mima gets the wig off, Rumi is like herself. Yeah. Fighting her. And then she eventually pulls the wig back on, stands up in the middle of the street, sees this truck coming towards her and thinks the lights are like a crowd. Yeah. And she's like, yes. And right then Mima (laughs) saves her. Absolutely. Mima saves her. And then we flash forward a while. Everyone's got longer hair. Rumi's hair's actually grown out, grown out to look like Mima's used to. And Mima's got like long straight hair now. And she's an actress and she, she goes to this mental hospital and she's talking to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, Rumi occasionally is herself, but more and more she's just living in this the delusion pop of idol pop idol room. Mima. Hmm. And. It's over. I guess the question is, there's still some things that are unclear because we're dealing with four separate, three characters being delusional and four if you count us as the viewer mm-hmm. witnessing the delusions because we we're know, being fucked with. We know that not everything we're seeing is literally what's happening. So the question here is, okay, you got 
the delusion of Mima as, as she's, as the internet disconnects her own reality, untethers her from herself. She doesn't know the difference between a representative version of herself online and her actual self. Then you got the delusion of Rumi who is, thinks that she is a pop idol. Is she the one writing Mima's yes. room? Yes. Uh, that explains why they wouldn't, she would know so much about she her. She knew such intimate details. And then you got the fellow, the stalker, right? Who, for a long time, we think is writing the website until the reveal of Mumi. And then we think that he's maybe murdering people, but that's unsure that's un- as well. He could just be a stalker. It could very well be that he and Rumi killed some people. But I think when we're when we're watching the old pop idol Mima stabbing a producer to death, I do think that is Rumi that we are seeing. And so those three delusions and then us who have to... Like, we're all witnessing each of their own delusions at certain points. Mm-hmm. And it's not clear to us whose delusion we're seeing or how to literalize that. Is this like a dream that Mima's having just laying in bed? Is the stalker, did he kill anyone? I think they did show an image of the of one of the dudes that caused trouble at that concert and showed an image that he had died. Mm-hmm. I think the stalker maybe killed that guy. Maybe he did. Because he had a direct confrontation with him at the beginning of the movie. Most of the murders involving around the show, I think a lot of that was Rumi. Sure. Sure. And maybe she was just setting it up to blame him. Did Rumi even know that he was there, though? You know, maybe not. Because that's his delusion, is that he's imagining that she's speaking straight to him. They're all so delusional that they can't even read each other. Exactly. Properly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so you talked about, you know, the warnings of this movie. So there's like, there's like a bunch, but I feel like they. Internet bad. Internet bad. So. After this show, after this podcast, turn it off. Turn it off. Uh, but then just turn it back on to listen to us, but only on like Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and every day in March. Don't trust everything you read on the internet. Yeah. There's a warning of the ability to create a different version of yourself on the internet that can fuck with yourself or other people. That overwhelm your entire life. Yeah, like you you can you can you can portray yourself as to be whatever you want and then that can get very confusing. And also you can feel very you can feel like you're not good enough when you don't live up to what you've built up online. There's the catfish. Yeah. Rumi is a total catfish. Totally. And then there's the guy who has become obsessed with thinking that something is about him because he's sitting in his room alone reading something. Yeah. So there's also that like obsessive he's so discon- third party he's, who you can't even ever know. He's so disconnected. And you see this from people who you know you may know in your life that don't get out too much. They overpersonalize every interaction when they actually do go out into the real world. The things that are just truly mundane become like something so involved and they feel like they're maybe affecting things more than they really are when they're just so removed from the realities of things. It, yeah. you, it does really become harder and harder. It's like a bad habit. There's also this aspect where now with podcasts, because you're listening to someone like, three times a week in your headphones and they talk about their lives. We're excluding ourselves. We're perfect. Go on. You may feel like you know them. Yeah. And I mean, this has always happened with, with pop stars. I mean, so many people have had stalkers, actresses, actors, everyone. 
But but there's this idea that you feel as though you're friends with this person who has no idea who you are. Yeah. And that was not really possible before. I mean, you could be someone who, like, wrote letters to somebody. You know, celebrities have always had stalkers, you know. There's always been something that latches onto them. But, they're, but you know, the internet, it just is like the... It just multiplied... Everything about us. You can see into in people's In a sudden houses. way. You don't want to say it It took the mask off, but it's like it like put on like 20 more masks. But also it amplified all of our inherent natures. Communication technology progressing at a, at a rate that is a much faster rate than maybe typical humanity can consume it in a, in a objective and sensible way. Yes. Truly. Yes. We're going to... Just another thing that younger generations are going to need to bail us out of, but it'll probably be far too late by that point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's just so interesting. That, I mean, this this movie, at a time when the internet is starting to touch everyone, just beginning, yet giving these... Appears to be giving these warnings that are maybe we didn't even talk so seriously about until... Well, over a decade after this point, mm-hmm. you know? There's also, and this isn't related to the internet, but there is also this sort of condemning of a woman who wants to do what's not expected of her, you know? Because there's this assumption that she's going to be this, like, perfect little pretty doll. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's doing rape scenes on television and posing nude for magazines. But, and Well, that's, I mean, that seems like a Japanese cultural thing because... Yeah, these things defy a certain expectation they had, but there's also a demand for what she did. Mothers and whores. Sometimes we get confused as to which one we want. Isn't that deep, what I just said? Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to explain it. Anyway, Perfect Blue. It's a great... I thought this was very was good. I'm movie. glad I watched this movie. Yeah. We've only seen like three anime since we started the show, and... They're all, like, fucking really good. It's very solid. Yeah. And uh, this one may be one of our, our best. So, what, what you combine uh, each, give us, we'll each give it one through five, combine best out of ten. Yep, yep. What do you got? I really love this movie, and I think it is beautifully done, and I'm going to give it a 4.5. I will equal that. That is a 9. That is an A++ on the verge of s tears. Hell yeah. It shares the rankings with such films as Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 78 version, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Sword of Doom, Poor Things, My Own Private Idaho. It's at least as good as those. Mm-hmm. Very good if not great movies i very much enjoyed this film yes good times good times we're just getting started with women in crisis and thank goodness mima managed to at least appear to come out to the other side of this mm-hmm. unless that was a fucking delusion too man i think she's okay i don't know but uh we're coming back next week and we will be finally i don't think we've talked about a robert altman movie yet no. We will be um, crossing that threshold next week, and I'm excited for it. We will see you then. Check the show notes for links and other places to find us. Like, subscribe, comment, correction. I don't mind a correction. I can be wrong. I'm, I'm only human. We're not experts. We're enthusiasts. It's called foliadu when two people have a delusion that they share. 
But then when they're separated, sometimes they can be okay. Oh, okay. And that's why I think Mima's okay. Like when people, oh, she got away from Rumi. Oh, Rumi. She's like a virus. Mm-hmm. Like a that's mental what virus. Think. That's what I think. Uh, leave a comment, correction, whatever. Fun facts. We love those. And uh, we, what is, what will be our sign off here for women in crisis? What do you got? What is it? Watch your back, girl. Watch your back, girl.